Good morning, church. My name is Andy Maddock, and apparently I'm just full of energy today, shaking things up. It is so good to be before you, Valencia Church, and to celebrate in this final week before Christmas. We have been going through the stories of Christmas and celebrating a common story that works through all of these different stories that the world, that our God, that our scriptures tell us in this Christmas season. And I want to invite you to join me in a moment of prayer as we get started. Gracious and holy God, we give you thanks for this time, for the power of music in our midst, for the wonder of light, for the power of Christmas. We ask, O oh God, that you meet us in this time in such a way that we might be able to say with honesty, hope, and integrity for this time that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, that they were acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, who is our strength and the source of all salvation. Amen. Let me tell you a story. I demanded that the praise band play Carol of the Bells. Now, this doesn't normally happen. Normally, our worship planning is a much more collaborative process wherein they tell me what they want to play, and I say, yes, that sounds great. But today, I made a special request, and I was really impressed with Pete's guitar work through that, uh, that particular piece. I absolutely show you some love. Because I wanted to be able to tell a bit of the story of Carol of the Bells and why I think this particular year it's at such value to bring into your home, your life, and your story. Turn it up when it's on your car. Hum it as you're moving through uh, uh, the, the streets this next week in preparing for Christmas. Uh, whether it's Lindsey Sterling on the strings or the Trans-Siberian Orchestra or Pentatonics, however it comes to you, it's a song that moves us through the Christmas season. It's called an ostinato in music. It's a repeated pattern that is built upon musically. So that little four-note phrase, bum ba da bum bum ba da bum bum ba da bum bum ba da bum. It's called an ostinato. That's what continues throughout the story, and that framework helps us experience the Christmas story in a beautiful and in powerful way. Now, before I get into the history of it, I just want to say a word about what's going on musically that I find kind of interesting. Does Carol of the Bells make anyone depressed? Make anyone sad? It's a fascinating phenomenon. The ostinato that plays underneath Carol of the Bells is written in a minor key. You're playing Every bit of that song happens over a minor tune, which this time of year is typically reserved for more kind of lullaby, meditative songs. And the whole rest of the season are songs that are intended to make you think, to make you feel a, a little more uh, kind of centered. Uh, you know, it's not like Joy to the World that we started with. A major key, right from the top to the bottom. Joy to the world. But instead, you get this bum ba da bum bum ba da bum bum ba da bum. That song has a rich history. And it comes to us as Americans in the West from the Ukraine a hundred years ago. In fact, the first time it was used was 106 years ago on Christmas Day by students in Kyiv. And I say that knowing that just last night they dealt with another bombardment in that city. And it's an opportunity for us as we pray for peace, as we consider how this song helps shape our Christmas experience, to remember that its legacy is rooted in a people who are longing for peace, not just as a light on our altar, but as a pattern and a hope and an expectation for the world that surrounds them. 106 years ago, this Ukrainian uh, story was crafted, and it meant to, to, to tell a story of the bounty in the new year. And NPR brought us the story the 6th of December this year about the fact that the Ukrainian National Choir performed in Carnegie Hall. 
on the anniversary of when they performed, the 100 year anniversary of when they brought this song to the United States. They wore their traditional garb, as you can see, and they sang it in their traditional language. And that marked a point in history wherein they had introduced that song to us by the same touring choir of probably some of these kids, grandparents and great-grandparents, when they were here in 1921, and they used the original flyer to showcase how they were there as well. Now you go on social media and, and listen to these fantastic youth sing this song as they're on this tour choir. I'd actually recommend their version to you that they sang a cappella in Grand Central Station with the resonance of that space. It just speaks to my soul. But this particular song and how it's brought to us from our history is a reminder of where we've been and who they are in their present, trying to remind us that there still is light in the darkness and a hope for peace even amongst a people who are standing in the face of war. And then in their resilience, they might sing this very song to them in their original language because it would be a reminder to them of its origin. You see, the name for this song in Ukrainian, I'm going to mess up, but it's this word here on top, Shredrik. And that word means bountiful evening. And the words, the lyrics for the actual song in Ukrainian are just lovely and brilliant. It's a story of a sparrow flying from house to house. And when it comes to your house, that sparrow wishes you a blessed new year. And it says, I wish you wonderful things for this new year. And if not wonderful things, then a bountiful crop. And if you don't have a bountiful crop this year, at least you have a dark-eyebrowed, beautiful wife. That resonates with me. Merry Christmas, baby. <laughs> no matter what happens. This song serves as a chance for us to remember that tension of the minor key and yet the joy we feel, the light that comes out of darkness, the bounty that can be found in the midst of our struggle, and that no matter what, there are things in our life that will undergird our experience of Christmas. And I wanted to start there because this is our last chance before we get into Christmas Eve on Saturday to revisit this theme of the stories of Christmas. And the history of where we've been in this series is such that we started with a big story in the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And it was an opportunity for us to consider the ways in which a big God might meet us in the midst of our smaller stories. That God might be Emmanuel and be present with us this Christmas. We talked about the world story of Christmas and to realize that it's experience of Santa Claus and trees and lights and decoration. And boy, howdy, did I see an amazing decorated neighborhood last night on a walking tour. That our experience of that allows us to consider how in the face of the experience of the holidays, we might know this as a time of God's holy days. And I lifted up a challenge that morning in worship, where I said, God is going to speak to you in a new way in this Christmas season. God will tell the story in a fresh and new way. This is not just our chance to review for some great test or to rehearse for next performances. No, God's going to do something new in your Christmas. We talked about God's story at Christmas. The idea that Mary reminds us that Christmas is a love story. That God loves the world enough to come and risk vulnerability and incarnation to be present in your story and in mine. And speaking of your story, two weeks ago, that's what we talked about. The idea that while we carry these great nativity traditions and the world story of Christmas through this season, the simple truth is, is you have your own story about your experience of Christmas. 
from your personal history and the things that you've done over time, but more than that, your story this year. Last week, we saw the story come to life in our amazing partnership with the band and the choir and our actors and our young children as we looked at the old house and told that Christmas story. And the challenge for today, Valencia United Methodist Church, is that we have a story for Christmas, our story collectively. We have a Christmas story that we are in the process of telling. We haven't found the last page of it yet, and I don't know that we will even the, the, the Sunday of Epiphany. Because by the end of this, I hope you'll see that Christmas is actually the beginning of our work together. It is the launching pad for the rest of the work we do throughout the year. But we are in the middle of telling our Christmas story together. We've seen expressions of it in the feeding of the hungry and that powerful work of bridge to home, helping an average of two families a day in the midst of this valley who are struggling or approaching homelessness. The ways in which you've been a part of sharing your meals and your bounty for their need, knowing that they have 60 residents who depend on folks just like you to eat week in and week out. At a time where we are leaning into and resting on a story about a family who cannot find a place to sleep, Bridge to Home to Me rings my bell because it says the church still has a place for hospitality in our world, and our partnership is a part of telling that story. We were telling that story in our work of family promise gifts shared on all those families that were on our campus and all of the gifts that we shared with the Hart School District on Friday with wonderful partners, with just a bounty of generosity over at Henry Mayo Hospital in sharing of gifts. We are telling a story this Christmas about the difference that God is making in us and then through us to change the world. And one of the very powerful expressions of that is our miracle offering. Something that Camille and I are so proud to inherit as a practice of ministry here. To say that on Christmas Eve, it is an opportunity not for us to gaze at our own navels and worry about our own financial means, but to say this will be a chance for us to shine out in the world and to practice a generosity that will be transformative. I'm so excited for that experience. And as you heard in the video this morning... We're bringing in a new partner to that work. Not in displacement by any means, but in amplification. Catherine Stradling's work in Hands to Hearts just speaks to me. Now in that soft-spoken voice in that video, there is someone in our world, grown up in this church, who is speaking volumes for the sake of health justice. That is one of the passion projects of mine, access to equal health in a variety of arenas in the United States and globally. And so her work, particularly in partnership for those who are displaced in a system, one of the stories that I had to edit out of almost a 10-minute conversation with her was that those ambulances that take two hours to transport you from Constitution to the nearest hospital setting is always a roll of the dice. Because if you get the community ambulance, it may take longer, but if you get a privatized one, they're going to stop at an ATM machine on your way to the hospital, and you will pay them or they will take you home. So Kate said, that's a problem I can fix. And so she's teaching through the work of CPR and restorative health measures, and then just good, healthy practices in that community. She's making them healthier and stronger. And when I was praying about some of our, our discouragement when it came to a pattern in practice in Project Chacocente, knowing that this might likely not be a calendar year where we could send mission teams to Nicaragua, 
I challenge you all to maybe find the space and the opportunity to join me down in Constitution, Mexico sometime this next year to be hands and feet for Christ as we help her to continue to build and strengthen that ministry. We have a story that we are telling at Christmas, and God is going to use us, Valencia United Methodist Church, for the sake of the Christmas story at this corner, in this valley, and in our world. But we have to learn how to tell our story. So let's take a look at our text for this morning. It's a continuation of where we finished two weeks ago. The shepherd's story continues. Luke chapter 2, picking one verse up uh, and then through the end here. It says this, When the angels had left the shepherds and gone back to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off. And in that hurrying off, they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Now, when they had seen him, they began to spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things, and she pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned to their fields, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and they had seen, which is just as they had been told. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The shepherd's story at Christmas is in part our story at Christmas. To take our experience of what we come to know about what God is doing in our lives and become rejoicing tellers of that story. Now, this nativity experience of Mary and Joseph in the stable with a baby in the manger is a powerful one. And the thing that strikes me is here you have these shepherds intruding on the sanctity of that experience, bringing with them a tall tale. We were in the fields with our flock when suddenly an angel came and told us, glory to God in the heavens and on earth, peace to all mankind. Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy. And all of these themes of our Advent candles are laid out in one angelic promise from the Lord to those shepherds. That peace, hope, joy, love, possibility are all made real in Christmas. But you have to go and see. And so there is a small act of obedience. The shepherds very well could have said, boy, that was something. And gone back to their sheep. But instead they say, let us go and see this thing which the Lord has revealed to us. And so they go traipsing into Bethlehem. They see it just as promised, just as described, and they begin then to tell. This is not consumer culture. These are shepherds going from being recipients of the word of God to being the first tellers of God's good news. First, they tell Mary and Joseph, this is what happened to us. They tell the people in the inn. They tell the people in the streets. I imagine the shepherds going back to their fields, just grabbing people by the collar and say, listen, listen to what God is doing, for we have seen a great thing. The first hearers of that story become the first tellers of that story. And friends, that has been us. Our family's work, our common work for generations. People gathering around fires and telling the stories of who they were. That's our legacy. We are sharing the stories of what has formed us, what has shaped us, and who we will be 
moving forward. Now, out of that, we find ourselves as good partners, but here's a simple truth and confession. When it comes to the Christmas story, when we hear and see the Christmas story, it becomes a chance to tell the Christmas story. When we hear and see the Christmas story, it becomes a chance to tell the Christmas story. Now, here's the good news. God doesn't need Andy to tell the Christmas story. God doesn't need you to do it either. It is a gift. It is a pleasure. It is an awesome part of my call to be able to do that. But the Christmas story resounds through history. It is the inescapable grace and mystery of God made flesh in our midst. It is a story that just rings and sings through the ages. And the gift, church. Thank you. You're even on Do Not Disturb. I don't know what... I wondered what she was going to say. We get the chance when we have heard and seen to tell the story of Christmas, to be a part of revisiting what God will do, a sense of, of, of wonder and longing at God's work in my story and in yours and allowing them to question, them to wonder, them to be amazed. Because we wonder, how might the world respond if we become tellers of our story at Christmas? And the simple truth is, is that the world may rebuff. There are those who will say, this Christmas story is not for me. And yet I still think it is the kind of story that amazes the world. Because the grace and love of God offers in this season the point and counterpoint to the lesson that the world tells the whole rest of the year. That in the face of darkness, despair, struggle, conflict, misogyny, homophobia, mistreatment of friend and family alike, in patterns of addiction and struggle, yet then still is there light and life and when we hear and see new light and new life, it is a chance to tell another what God is doing. But it may be that in the midst of all of this, in the volume of this season, our songs, and even my preaching, that you have another need. And so I just want to talk just a brief second about Mary and Mary's experience of this Christmas story. Picture, if you will, those of you that are natural mothers who birth children, this idea that in those quiet moments that follow, somehow you're interrupted by the loud, working class, beautiful shepherds who poke their head in with this crazy story. That everything that had been promised to you by an angel is is, is just reinforced by a chorus of angels in the sky. And these boys have been sent to you to see your son. Now, Mary sees and hears, but she doesn't then go out and become the teller yet. She's not the one running through the street and say, come and see all that my son means to you. No, Mary's experience of Christmas is different. Mary treasures and ponders. And that, too, is a faithful Christmas pattern. It may be that your experience of this next week is that you need the opportunity to just stop and to hold space for Christmas. Because that's what Mary does. 
And Mary's pondering takes the form of wondering about the significance of what they're saying and its implication for her future. The significance of what's being said and the implication of where this all goes from there. It may be that what you need in the midst of your grief, in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of all that life has thrown at you in 2022, you just need to stop and hold space for the question. What is the significance of all of this? What, what is its implication for my future, for our future together? That's a faithful Christmas pattern, too. Because, friends, we're all on a journey to Christmas. About a week away, we're headed in. We can see the finish line. This next week, we are going to move ourselves closer, yes, to the manger and the stable and the nativity but we are also moving ourselves closer to an opportunity for us as a church to say, this is the significance of this story for us, and this is its implication for us in the year to come. Christmas is not just a finish line that we get to on Sunday morning, although I will take a nap later that day. Christmas is the launching pad of the work of the church because it invites us to become tellers of the story to the world. And when they say to us, so what then? We have the opportunity not just to hold up contrast, but to point to where God is on the move for us. So we get to tell our story in the weeks ahead. I know that many of our school districts have already started their Christmas breaks. There are families in our midst who are already traveling. Some of you may be visiting already as a part of Christmas travel. Some of you may leave this next week or the week after Christmas through the new year. Know a couple of things. One is that Camille and I surround you with traveling mercies, prayer, and love in this season. We'll be praying for you. And I know that there will be some who will gather, who will come, and who will visit us at Christmas Eve, and we will be a ready and welcome teller of God's story for them on that day. But I know that in person and in this time, this may be ascending forth. That Christmas may find you in other places with other families. And so let me just close with this. Merry Christmas from our family to yours. We hold you in God's love and in ours. We shepherd you through this season and this week of light and life and love. And we wish you the merriest of Christmas. Would you join me in a moment of prayer?